What's up everyone, Ben here, and you just heard Peace Like a River by Mulberry Soul. That's Peace Like a River by Mulberry Soul. Scott Calpin, mandolin player, guitarist, Mulberry Soul, Honey Smugglers, Old World Warblers, tons of local bands. He is our guest on the show. Gonna get started in a second. Just going to remind you guys of the fee of the show. If you gain value from this episode, share it. Direct message is the best, but ultimately share this with your friends. Like, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, give us feedback. The best thing you can do to help the show is to spread word. Uh, I do want to note, I was a little bit out of it when we filmed this. We had a 95-degree day. I've been very stressed and, and losing sleep over a lot of things going on with the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. And we don't talk about that much here on this show, but I want to acknowledge that I was a little bit tired and a little bit out of it. That being said, Scott is a great guy, and it was incredible to take some time to sit down and talk to him, talk about his new business, and let's get right into it. Welcome, everyone, to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live, local, regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. I am your host, Ben Albert, and I am here with Scott Calpin, and uh, very happy to hear you today. Have, to have you here today, Scott. It, it's It's been a long one. It's been a hot one, but I've been looking forward to this all day, so... Uh, it's going to be a good time. Me too. It's definitely charged me for the week. Just kind of looking forward to this and thinking about it. It feels good. A good midweek uh, event, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm happy to have you on because there's a lot to talk about. Um, a lot of people know some of the things you've done in your past, be it playing with Mulberry Soul, the Honey Smugglers. Uh, but I want to get the started. I want to start this conversation talking about the new kombucha company you you just released because that's new that's fresh um it's great for your health and we all need good health so um uh, i hopefully i don't butcher it again comberry kombucha uh kamorabi 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 i'll get it right on the the fourth or fifth time scott it's a tough one and coming up with a name that you really love for a business that you want to have meaning and purpose around that's not already taken is extremely difficult and came upon my, me and Desiree came upon that uh, name and we thought it was great and we settled on it. So it was a done deal, but then we realized that people really have trouble pronouncing it and rightfully so it's a foreign word. It's a Japanese word. So I don't know. It's just going to be one of those funny things that people mispronounce for a long time until we correct them long enough and, Mm -hmm. It's just, I guess, part of it. Yeah. But a, a good reason for choosing it, too, is I love the alliteration because Kamorabi and Kombucha, it's got the first syllable that's identical. So I thought it flowed nice. Oh, it's it's great alliteration. And, and shout out to Desiree. She is your co-owner, correct? Correct. Co-owner, co-founder. 
Uh, we actually started it um, one year ago, and it's been great. It's been super busy. It was supposed to just be this thing we do on the side, and then it turned into there was a great demand and great support and we want to take it further and make it better and do all these things. And it turned into an everyday kind of thing outside of our other jobs. And I feel like this is actually a new beginning trying to open up our own shop. It'll streamline the process, make our lives easier and happier and feel a little more complete with the whole thing being in our own space. Yeah. So you're opening up your own space, your own shop. Um, do you have a definitive location and any dates to announce or what's, where are you in that process? Definitive location. And we've been buying some equipment, getting things ready. We've been raising a little bit of money through GoFundMe and thank you so much to the supporters. Cause that is even what's been donated so far has given us enough to make this leap. It's kind of a big transition where we've been putting a lot of our money that we make from it into it and our own personal money, but there's like a one giant step to get through and the contributions have been great. We have a definitive location. It's in Naples on Mill Street, which is right off of Main Street. And we've started getting things in there and painting and I'm going to build a bar for a little tasting room. And... There's a lot of other things popping up brand new around us, too. So there's a lot of excitement. There's a little microbrewery that's going to be right around the corner from us, the Naples Brewing Company. Some really awesome guys. They make great beer. So I feel like we're going to have this little, like, fermentation corner. And hopefully we can intermingle customers and intermingle ourselves and maybe do some sort of hard kombucha collaboration someday or something. Yeah, the hard kombuchas are getting popular as of late, I've seen. Um, it's kind of like a shandy or something, you know, it's like light, a little refreshing. And I'm sure it also it makes you feel good about yourself, drinking uh, <laughs> drinking alcohol that isn't just, you know, dark and pure malt. Yeah, there's um, some vitamins in there. <laughs> but anyways, uh, why kombucha? Any memories with it? When did you start brewing it? And and what brought you to where you are today? Started brewing it about probably almost nine years ago, just as personal use and would bring it to parties and just have it available for friends. And everyone always loved it and be like, oh, this is the best kombucha. And I just really love beverages. I'm always drinking something, water, tea. And so I always wanted to have some sort of beverage company was thinking like a brewery at one point or like a craft soda company. And probably a while ago, I never thought that kombucha was really like a marketable thing on the East coast. I mean, there was like GTs around, but um, I don't remember what the, like the moment was, but me and Desiree are like, we should do this and, try to sell it at our friend's farm stand a little bit here and there. And then it just kept picking up and people were interested and getting better equipment and better bottles and better labels. And it just kind of slowly and surely got better and escalated. And it was just kind of a natural process. Oh no, congratulations on that. And it's been a year coming 
it sounds like you're mm-hmm. going to have a, a full shop ready to go soon. Um, what, what flavors, what flavors can we look forward to you? Do you, do you have a favorite yourself? The turmeric ginger is probably my favorite and most refreshing. And that's not too, um, too unique for us. A lot of other people do similar brews to that. But even today at the Naples Farmer's Market, which was the first one, that was the best seller. It's just super refreshing. We try to do a lot of herbal second ferments. So we use a lavender lemon balm. We've done the Tulsi peppermint. Big popular one is the Palo Santo birch bark. Mm-hmm. So if you like birch beer, root beer, and a lot of people that like Palo Santo can't believe that it's being incorporated into something you can consume. So that's a fun one. And I think we'll probably release the cucumber jalapeno this summer as maybe a mainstay because it's just too good. <laughs> Great summer flavor. Uh, you're making me thirsty thinking about it on a, for anybody listening later on than live, we had like a 95 degree day, no better day to be drinking some bucha mm-hmm. and relaxing. Um, I, I think you touched on it, but where do people get your kombucha right now? Where, what are the best places to find you? We are at the Canandaigua farmer's market and the Naples farmer's market. And here in Naples, we're at Joseph's Wayside Market and Roots Cafe, Canandaigua, Dolly Java, nice coffee shop. And Rochester, we haven't tapped too much into that market yet, but Happy Gut Sanctuary did have a guest tap of ours um, before the pandemic came. So I'm not sure how that keg's doing, but Mm. if you're in the Rochester area, check in with Happy Gut. They might have that Palo Santo birch bark. We'll have to all look into it. That sounds like a great flavor. And um, yeah, excited, excited for this coming up with uh, coming up in the the future, growing more and more. How has this pandemic affected your business um, in terms of the production, the sale? Have things been going well? Has there been, aside from having to wear a mask everywhere, Um, What have some of the repercussions, positive or negative, been? We were hoping to be open by June in our actual new shop. We signed the lease before the pandemic hit, just like a month or two. And we were going to do this big fundraising campaign and hopefully had things going by now. But then the pandemic came and it just was kind of a hard time to ask for money. And it was a hard time to start a business during all that recession and now too we're not pushing the the fundraiser too hard because of all the other groups that are asking and needing money right now through the black lives matter campaigns um so we didn't feel like pushing our campaign too heavily at that moment to let these other beneficial organizations gather some funds but we are still collecting So it definitely put us a couple months behind. And once everything closed down, a lot of our sale is wholesale retail to other restaurants and stores. So we kind of really slowed down for a minute and we were wondering how things were going to pan out. So it was a little nerve wracking, but things started slowly opening back up and kind of got a little behind because I stopped brewing nearly as much 
because I didn't want it to just sit in our refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden things started opening back up and there was a demand again and it just kind of took off really fast, which is very welcome. Yeah. And um, I, I appreciate you acknowledging that there are other organizations that need the help right now. My main thing to say is whether you're supporting kombucha, you're supporting, you know, coronavirus efforts, you're supporting Black Lives Matter, supporting community funds, supporting your community and the businesses around it is my number one recommendation for everybody at home. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, but then again, it's nice to relax with a little bit of kombucha. So I'm <laughs> going to have to do that um, as well. I, I'm curious in terms of music career and, and side note, adorable cat. Can you see him in the picture? Yeah. <laughs> Let him purr for everybody. <laughs> uh, how, how you said it was a he? Yep. How um, He's, he's Probably tiny. like six weeks. He's tiny. Papito. 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 <laughs> mm, so, so music. We, we talk about music on this podcast a lot. Um, how has that changed? Have you found yourself with new hobbies, picking up a new instrument, uh, finding ways to incorporate? new technologies to music. How has the pandemic kind of changed that landscape of your career? I wish I had the, a lot of people had a lot of free time to really just delve into music. But aside from ramping up kombucha and trying to open a new shop, I also got involved with Desiree and my friend Noah Earl and this community garden project Mm -hmm. that just kind of snowballed and took off and, putting so much time into that. So music kind of took a back seat for me largely through this pandemic. And I loved getting online when I'd be tired and exhausted and just watch all these videos of people doing collaborations or doing like those acapella videos where there's like 10 of them, like Tyler Westcott always puts out fun videos. And I know Max Flansberg was putting out a lot of videos and I kept thinking, man, these guys are going to be, coming out of the pandemic hot and I'm going to be fumbling around a little bit trying to get back warmed up, but it's definitely something I miss. I feel like just, even if I'm just playing for myself at home, it's soothing and meditative and just important for my well-being to just play music. And now I'm really starting to miss also the playing with other people aspect. And I think because of the pandemic hit, all shows were canceled. Mm-hmm. That didn't give me, a, uh, uh, something to like practice or prepare for. So I'd be like, oh, I'm too busy doing all this other stuff, so I won't play today. And then it just mm-hmm. gets pushed off and pushed off. But I'm finding a little bit more time now, and I'm really excited to delve back in. And I feel like sometimes stepping away from something and giving it a little room to breathe, you come back with a new appreciation or I don't know, a new excitement for it because you've been away so long Mm -hmm. no absolutely um you know everything in moderation and it sounds like you've had a lot of other projects to dive into which is great to help keep your sanity and keep you working in a world where we can't um most specifically see live music 
But again, yeah, shout out the acapella videos and <laughs> all the home performances people have been putting out are great. Um, looking back on you know your experience playing live and and something that we're all missing right now, you've played with a lot of bands: Mulberry Soul, Honey Smugglers, Old World, Old World Warblers, um, and I'm sure some that I forget. But any super proud enjoyable moments that you're on stage and just like heck i i know why i love this 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 is great whether it was a certain festival or a certain event or just playing with certain guys any moments like that you're looking forward to once we uh get back and moving oh yeah i mean i just love the community and the intermingling but with the honey smugglers, for instance, before I joined the band, I just have a fond memory of them being the Sterling stage to set late night show. It was like a Saturday. And so there's so much hype around that. Cause what's better than the smugglers in the Sinatra lounge and, uh, Mulberry soul played that year as well. So then they asked me to sit in and I was super excited. I love these guys. I love their music. And I sat in with them and it was so fun. And I was just like, man, I wish I could just play with those guys all <laughs> the time. <laughs> and then to my amazement, it eventually happened. And I love it. Um, it was a show that wasn't ever announced, but I was really sad that that had to get canceled. Um, the Honey Smugglers and Dirty Blanket were going to play at Anthology in May. And so that was a real... Um, Real sad one to see get canceled and drift by. I was really looking forward to that one, but maybe we can make that happen again. Yeah, it sounds like it would be a ton of fun. And I'm confident people are going to be just as ready as when we left to, to see everyone live. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't um, imagine what the energy like is going to be in like the first show or festival <laughs> that's able to happen. People are going to be ecstatic. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Blissful. And like you mentioned yeah. before, you're, you're away from something for a little bit of time. You just start to appreciate it even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I remember when you were first joined in the honey smugglers, what did you guys do? There was like a box over your head or something. I remember seeing some cool promo. I think it was a box <laughs> over the head and yeah. Like a and then I became face. boxy because yeah, there had to be some way to, put me in a picture, but try to hide my identity. So that was the easiest and closest thing around just to put a box on my head. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really fun. That was at homegrown, which is a wild and fun event. And it was fun just like hanging out with everyone and be talking to people and they're like, I wonder who the new member is going to be. And it was just kind of like a funny, it seemed like a little funny inside joke. Mm -hmm. Be hanging with like Brian or whoever and, just have to giggle and we both just look at each other <laughs> but some people also knew that it was me right away so yeah sides. they knew the connection you know there's there's a lot of collaboration and connection with rochester band supporting each other mulberry soul honey smugglers made perfect sense that you would slide in um mulberry soul are are you guys on a hiatus yeah and definitely i mean probably a There'll probably be some sort of reunion, hopefully again someday, but mm -hmm. it's never going to be a long-standing band. But it Everyone's... was a really good band while it was going. Yeah, you guys are great, and and a lot of people went and 
separate ways playing great music you with mm-hmm. the honey smugglers and um t- let's talk a little bit about old world i'm gonna mispronounce this every time i'm i'm tired and i can't i can't get the words tough. out of my mouth scott <laughs> old world warblers um with hannah and tim you've been sitting in with them a lot lately adding that ex- third extra element to to the duo mm-hmm. yeah i'm pretty pretty uh, pretty much like part of that band though they can still easily play without me mm-hmm. but that's another fun little trio it's nice too to have a small band where you can just really be intimate and connect and you can play acoustic or you can play plugged in it's just like really uh really easy to do and they're great songwriters great performers singers great covers that we do and I'll definitely look forward to getting playing with them again, which knowing Tim, as soon as we're able to, he'll be booking some gigs. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, Tim, everyone in the scene seems to cross over and play with multiple groups, plenty of collaborations, any, any favorite collabs that you've done um, with other members in our, you know, Rochester and uh, Finger Lake scene? any uh top collabs yeah i think the, the picture has been circulating on facebook of the what was it dirty smuggling owl faces blind owl band dirty blanket honey smugglers and folk faces collaboration doing i think that was a beatles tribute show Mm-hmm. And I know we did two different Beatles tribute shows at Flower City Station, and those were so much fun. I would love, love to do something like that again. Something about when you get these inter- these bands mixing and intermingling, it just feels so laid back. And I feel like it takes some of the pressure off. I know I get kind of worked up before a show and get nervous. But something about when you're working with all these different bands and all these different people, I can feel a little more relaxed. Like, oh, we're all in this together. And like, if I can't pull it, you guys will pull the load. Like, I don't know. It was just so mm-hmm. fun. And to see this picture circulating on Facebook among the guys in the past few days, it just kind of brought me back there and definitely makes me long for it. Yeah. Some good memories and a lot of people to help it all gel together. Yeah. So you said you get a little bit nervous before you get on stage, totally reasonable and normal. Do you have any, um, do you have any daily r- rituals or pre-performance rituals that you do to get in the zone or do you kind of just jump on and hope everything goes as planned i definitely try to get away from people and just like collect my headspace and if it's nice out i definitely try to go outside go out the back door just whatever just be outside and just kind of get away from everybody and it's funny at a show like that too there's many other musicians to get like that. So there's just all these nervous people like <laughs> darting off and hiding and like getting away and looking all nervous. <laughs> and, you know, once everyone gets on stage, everyone relaxes and it feels really good. But I guess it's just part of the personality and part of the performance to go through that. Yeah. I mean, it seems like plenty of the best musicians and so many great musicians, they practice, practice, practice then they're the most nervous getting on stage, even though they're hyper prepared. Yeah. (laughs) And then you get on stage and then it just suddenly molds and you're even better than you thought you were. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I'll be picking up an instrument too and going in a quarter to try to play. But I feel like sometimes if you practice too much and try to get everything perfect right beforehand, then you play it and you mess up and it's not as good. You almost have to like save it. You don't want to like practice too hard beforehand. You're going to end up playing your best when no one's listening or when the performance isn't happening. In my experience anyway. Kind of just let it flow through you. Uh, Is there a lot of room for improvisation and things to go in different ways where you can't even practice it or a little bit of balance in your music or for sure i think with all the bands i've played with you can practice something one way but then you get live on stage and it like goes somewhere that you've never practiced that and that's when the chemistry really kicks in and if it's good chemistry it all like works out amazingly and everyone just gets elated by the change or what happened on stage and it just perpetuates itself and then you feel good and then you just create this wonderful energy that hopefully lasts throughout the whole show hey it it lasts you know uh, everybody loves to see you guys play and um i've seen you play in in these more recent bands i shouldn't even say more recent it's been so darn long that the scene's (laughs) been growing um but anything that a lot of us missed out on. Did you have any bands when you were younger? Um, did you pick up a different instrument to start? Or is it always mostly been, you know, guitar, mandolin, or a little bit about the history there? Uh, I started playing guitar as electric guitar. I was really into punk rock about 14, 15, 16 years old. So those are my first bands were just punk rock, power chords, fast and loud and let not all that angst mm-hmm. uh, a very formative band for me when i was living in nashville i was in a band called Stillhouse hollow and we made one album and it's on spotify and you can probably find it on youtube as well and those guys were amazing songwriters singers performers and that's when i was just learning how to play the mandolin and i felt very fortunate to be in that band because i just felt like flat tire or something compared to those guys but it really i think helped to form my playing style and my musical influence from there it was a four-piece acoustic band mostly upright bass guitar mandolin and harmonica and there's some instrument switching around there but definitely i highly recommend checking it out because the songwriters and performers are great so if you got spotify check out still house hollow Mm-hmm. and don't mind my amateur playing <laughs> yeah still i'm marking that down still house hollow any uh any other major influences you know any if you could combine if you could harness and combine the talent of two three four musicians however many it takes who would you choose and why mm. For um, for mandolin, definitely David Grisman and Chris Thiele. Those are two like huge inspirations. David Grisman has just got an amazing ability, and I love the jazz stuff he does. Um, and Chris Thiele, I know some people have mixed feelings about him, but I just he's just so talented. When he gets a little like wily, I just love the random improvisation that he can do and just 
he just like takes off and I just love that kind of style. I feel like I saw videos of him and Michael Daves. So it's a guitar mandolin duo Mm -hmm. and they would play live just together. They made an album that was live recorded together and it is just full of fiery energy. And so I don't remember what that album's called, but it's the Michael Daves, Chris Thiele album. And anyone into bluegrass should definitely check out that album. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it because um, I love Chris Dealey. I, I could see you know looking at some of the music he plays, Punch Brothers, Nickel Creek. It's a little different. He's got a different style than some of the bluegrass guys, but he can sure play, man. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And um, whenever I switched to acoustic guitar, probably like the first acoustic musician I can really remember listening to and getting really into was Neil Young on acoustic guitar. And then I think from there got into like David Bromberg and got into like acoustic Jerry Garcia stuff. And it kind of just molded and took off from there. Um, I feel like there's a guitar player I'm missing out on. He didn't so much influence my style per se, but I know in the bluegrass realm, Tony Rice is mm. definitely king. <laughs> Monster. Well, awesome. I, I always like to shout out influences because uh couldn't do anything without them. You know, there's so many yeah. great musicians to pull different things from. Mm-hmm. Um but I think we need to to give credit to to the music you're creating now. Um, are you cool if we play a song? I'd love to toss on a view from here. Please do. Yeah. Awesome. This is view from here by the honey smugglers.
Good stuff. Nice. That, that track came out really nice, I think, in the studio. Yeah, it, it sounds great. Did you mention earlier that you, you helped write that track? Or Let's talk a no, little about it. I just thought that that track came mm. together really nicely in the studio, and it was always fun to play live. Um, and just to mention how natural it was, we are... There's a section in there where Joe has a guitar solo, I do a mandolin solo, and then Zach has a fiddle solo. And it's an hour drive for me to get to Rochester, so I was really trying to get my parts done. And so I was like, all right, let's do the solo section and let's all do it live. Like, we we're all in different rooms. So, like, Joe was going to go, then I was going to go, and Zach was going to go. And Joe was like, I don't want to do my part. I want to, like, practice it and, like, really make a good solo. And we're like, Joe, just come on. Just, like, just play something. That way I can, like, warm up for mine. And... Joe went in there in the first take, he just played that solo and we're like, <laughs> you don't need perfect. to practice or prepare. That's perfect. So it was a one take wonder. So we had to give him a hard time about that, but I'm glad we egged him on to do it. Cause that was the take. Yeah. And, and it's a scorcher. That's, that's a great take. It's cool yeah. to hear that story behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. What, what does your music making process look like? You know, you, you're driving an hour up to play with the guys are you doing a lot of practicing at home? Do you guys send each other's tracks virtually? What's, you know, a daily practice session look like for you? Usually work only really happens unless we're all together in the honey smugglers per se. But uh, the warblers were, we would hope to have a new EP out by this time. So Tim's been doing some work at home, sending me some tracks that I haven't been working hard enough on or giving enough attention to, but hoping to do that. Maybe we'll have another EP out by the end of summer. But I feel for me working on something or especially with songwriting, I feel the recording element is a strong tool or almost a must for me to write a song. I kind of don't have a strong attention span when it comes to songwriting. I'll, come up with a cool chord progression and like two good lines. And then I'm like, okay, I got to on board now. But if I use the recording tool to help me, I feel like I, it makes me flesh it out more and really work on it. And I was hoping to record a little solo album or EP over this past winter, but winter kind of flew by, but I'm still keeping that, um, and keeping it open. I definitely want to put out something of my own. And I think, I wouldn't be able to do it without the recording process. I put down a chord progression. I have to make a structure. I have to write lyrics or lead parts or riffs, and it really helps me to develop a song. Yeah. Um, they, and I think it's great to play with other musicians because then it, I learn their songs and I learn the covers that they want to do or I pick some, and I kind of need a little discipline or else I get distracted super easy and just start noodling for 15 minutes and then do something else. <laughs> I I know the feeling. Um, I think, I don't know if it's the exact term, but I'm thinking it's the power of necessity when you have that goal in mind and you know you've got people holding you accountable and you've got other musicians that are uh, ultimately to keep that chip on your shoulder as well. That's when it really gets done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Good phrase. Power of necessity. Power of necessity. How about going to the opposite of the power of necessity and just when you're kind of just dabbling, trying something new, 
Uh, I'm curious if you've ever picked up any weird or obscure in- instruments that you've really enjoyed playing, or if maybe there's an instrument that you haven't, you know, indulged in quite yet. But if you were to start a new hobby and start something new, you'd choose that one. <laughs> If I could really choose and pick, I would love to do something with slide, like a dobro or a pedal steel melts me every time. I just Mm. love pedal steel. Um, But that's probably an expensive endeavor to get into. It's quite a little setup. But just kind of primarily, I love playing percussion and doing that kind of stuff. And I think... And like recording, I love to just like try to layer stuff where you just play like a simple beat on something and then you play a simple beat on this thing and you just mesh it and layer it and get this rhythmic cadence going on. Um, yeah, I would love to, I just dream of having this huge chest full of percussion stuff someday and just all the weird stuff, you know, have like a oatmeal can that has a good shaker sound and just like all the weird things to get the tone you want. Yeah, there's something very simple and primal about percussion music. Out of curiosity, this is going way back, but did you ever see the the, the stomp videos? Oh yeah, I think I am. I have, but it's not fresh in my mind. At basically, they um they did live performances, but also videos as well. Everything from an entire video, um catered around basketball where people are dribbling the basketball, throwing it against signs, things like that to climbing up buildings and like hitting the wall of the building and making different tones on the pipes. And there's something cool about uh, that, that primal sound you can get from any kind of percussive instrument or even the sound of a cat. Like I can, I can hear that. You're making a lot of noise, bud. Meowing or purring. Uh, he talks a lot. He's yeah, a but I want to now. I want to watch some of those stomp videos because that's so cool. They just use this natural space and make this beautiful rhythm. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. There's music in nature. There's music uh, anywhere you look. So yeah, um, look forward to hearing more music from you and all your projects going forward in the future. Um, offhand, you know, what, what are the best places to keep in touch with you? Um, all your projects, the kombucha, is there any hot spots that you look at the most or maybe an email or uh, anything that can, you know, keep in touch with Scott? Yeah. Um, Facebook has been a great platform where I can promote and share music and the kombucha stuff. And if you want to get a hold of us via, email for any kombucha needs or questions or whatever kamorabi kombucha at gmail or for friends send me a message on facebook and i will be sure to post things as they come to light awesome and and i'll tell you know everyone this with confidence when it comes to old world warblers when it comes to honey smugglers All these guys are approachable. So when we're back at concerts, when we're seeing things live, come up to the band, get some merch, you know, join the community because there's a lot of great musicians collaborating in the whole Rochester, Buffalo, Finger Lakes area. We we named a ton on the show. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's a great community. Come say hello if there's a show, and hopefully there will be soon. I I like to keep the podcast mostly lighthearted, but there is one heavy question I like to ask uh, all guests, and you ultimately, you have a power here. You have the power to control a billboard. So imagine a very busy area, all walks of life, all kinds of people, all races, all ages, all religions, and you have the ability to control this billboard and send out a message that's going to be, you know, a positive, uh, a good thing for any kind of person, you know, a good message on life. It can be uh, from a song. It can be a, a quote from a, a religious speaker, anything really. You can control that billboard and put anything there. Is there anything that comes to mind as uh, what you'd say and why? There's a... Uh... Frank Zappa quote that I think would be fitting for many to see. And it's um, your mind is like a parachute. It doesn't work unless it's open. And I think in this time, you know, it's super important, especially if you have an opinion or a view on something and you you get new information, you shouldn't be closed off. I mean, feel free to, there's nothing wrong with changing your opinion or changing your thought on something when you get presented with new information. So I think that's important. And, you know, the billboard could also have a picture of Frank Zappa with like the two ponytails and like the soul patch, just like freak people out a little. I don't know. Maybe that would deter from people paying attention to the message, but I don't know. I, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I love it. And anyone who loves Zappa would uh, appreciate it 10 times more. I know, yes. uh, I know Zach in your band, Zach Lajewski with legit. I can't, I can't talk today, man. This is yeah, the of, heat's getting to me too. I'm, this is one of those days where someone's going to listen to this and just think I was, you know, high, but I'm really actually just having a high. little bit of, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know he's a big Zappa fan as well. Yeah, he's a very big Zappa fan. Definitely more so than me. And yeah, I think he would, if he's listening, he'll appreciate that. Well, I look forward to, um, Trying the kombucha, which um, I haven't yet, but I'm very pumped to do that. I look forward to to all the music that you have coming forward in the future. Everyone listening, obviously keep in touch with Scott and all his projects. Um, keep in touch with the Rochester Groovecast, um, mostly rochestergroovecast.com or Facebook. Just type in Rochester Groovecast. And um, the best thing you can do is share, tag people, send a DM, you know, recommend a musician, recommend a podcast, spread the word because that that's ultimately how you start the local politics. You start the, the local push. So share this episode, share Scott stuff, um, support the GoFundMe, support, um, the sales themselves. And again, Scott, man, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ben, for having me. And uh, I'll keep a cold bottle of kombucha in my car if we have another show expecting to see you around. I'm Love to get one in your hands. <laughs> hey, man, Naples is beautiful for hiking. So I'll be, yeah. I'll be down in the area sometime soon for sure anyway. Yeah, get a hold of me and we'll, we'll go hike together or see a waterfall. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Thank you.
listening to the show. Continue to support local businesses. And as always, I like to give the musician, the band, the final word. So we're going to listen to a Old World Warblers track. And this is a Summerfest. Summerfest by the Old World Warblers. I'll talk to everybody soon. up drunk in my trunk in the mid-June sun. I woke up drunk, ran about beside me. She was dripped as dry as my tongue. Must have had some fun, 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 must have had some Giving up on what I wanted when I found my buzz. I won't give up, I'll finish what I started when I first filled that cup. I won't give up, I won't give up, I won't give up, I won't give up. So fun, she gave her all and expected none. Collapsed my lungs, I couldn't breathe when she asked me if she could dance with me. Oh my god, please, please dance with me, dance with me, dance with me in Abilene. She was Niff of me She has had enough So I won't give up I'll jump right back Into the back Of her truck We'll shake off some rust Shake off some rust Shake off some rust 
Shake off some rust. Only two things that I now know Sometimes the sun is a bit too bright And last night she was just too beautiful I've gotta see her again tonight I've gotta see her again tonight I've gotta see her again tonight 